Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Thank you. You may be seated. What is good to be back at Cornerstone? I was here not that long ago. Uh, who, who missed that service? Who was not here for that? All right, we'll pray for you afterwards. No, I'm just kidding. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I am honored to be here, and for those who don't know me, I am Pastor Brian Beasley. Uh, I am a staff pastor at The Ramp in Hamilton, Alabama, and uh, it is a, a church, a conference center, um, a Bible school. It's everything. I mean, it's a revival. God is doing great things in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, in a town of about 6,000. We've had about 400,000 young people come through our doors since we've opened and get their lives transformed by the power of God. How many ever been to the ramp before? Let me see your hands. All right, quite a bit here, and uh, God has touched so many uh, with that ministry, and I am honored to be a part of that and to serve in that house, and so I am honored to be here today. My wife and two children were unable to make it, unfortunately. My wife is about to do a nutcracker this next weekend, so be in prayer for her. Her name is Elise. I have a two-year-old son named Conley, and then a little baby girl about five months old named London Elizabeth, and she is just a doll, and I wish I could show you the picture uh, my wife sent me yesterday. It made me want to get home and see them and hug them and kiss them. All the parents said amen. Amen. Well, I have a word from God for you this morning, and I don't say that lightly. I am stirred about what I want to share with you today. And uh, when I come to a church or to a uh, service or whatever I am ministering at, I want to hear from God for you guys. I want to deliver to you what I feel the Lord wants to say to you. Now, I'm an interactive preacher, so I want to amen, oh me. You can throw a shoe at me, I'll dodge it. But just, I need some interaction. Can I get an amen? Okay, I didn't like it. Can I get an amen? And so I want some movement, I want some stirring, we're going to be a little Pentecostal this morning, women I want you to let the bun out of your hair, and we're going to go for it, can I get amen, All right. so go to your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6, 2 Timothy 1 6, and the title of my sermon today will be, stir it up, everybody look at your neighbor and say, stir it up, we need to get stirred up, that's it. So let's start actually in verse 3. Let's kind of back up some, and I want to share this word with you, and I'm going to equip you today. I want to help you today with perspective. We have some interesting language that we use in the church these days. Uh, uh, I thank God for the way the elections went. I thank God for uh, different things that have happened within our nation, different things that are happening within the church. But I see things on Twitter every now and then or Facebook, and, and I'm not trying to pick on these people. I've done this as well, but I feel like God has shifted my perspective. And I'll see comments like, the only hope for America is revival. And I agree with that statement. But in our mind, what do we mean by revival? Many of us mean we have corporate prayer meetings and we pray so much that God kind of does something independent of us in the community and he begins to touch people. And at times God will do that, but that is not God's default. God created you. God created me because he wants to use people. Can I get an amen? Where does the Holy Spirit live? Somebody help me with that answer. In us. Do you not know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? He is not independent of us. He is within us as believers. So my mind is shifted in the fact that revival is not something God does out there on his own, independent of me, just because I prayed. No, my prayers are an equipping closet for me to begin to receive things from God in order for me to be the very revival that I've been praying for. And this is what God is wanting for you, and he's what he's wanting for me. 2 Timothy 1.6, let's look at verse 3, kind of backtrack. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, 
I remember you in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Look at verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Verse 6 is where we're hanging our hat. Therefore, because of this, I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. Everybody say, stir it up. So let me lay a foundation for this real quick. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this, that God, that Christ gave apostles, some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What we call the five-fold ministry gifts of Christ. Christ gave these gifts. His, his anointing encompassed all this. And when Jesus ascended, he split his anointing into five pieces and began to deposit within leaders of the church. It says that God gave us these leaders, though, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, this is something that we have to realize as the church because for so long we have sat back and said ministry belongs to those in the pulpit. Ministry belongs to the leaders of the church. That is their job. So if we want to get someone saved, we bring someone whenever the evangelist shows up. If we want to get a prophetic word, we show up when prophet so-and-so's in town. Whenever we want pastor, we go to the pastor. Whenever we want teaching, we sit under the teacher. Whenever we want all these things, an apostolic covering, we go to that apostle. And we have been a people that have been codependent. It's not a wrong thing. We need to honor those leaders, but those leaders are not solely to do the work of God. That's not what the Bible says. So for all time in the church, we have seen these great movements of God. In the 1950s was the day of the evangelist. You had Billy Graham and Oral Roberts and A.A. Allen and Jack Cohen. You had all these great evangelists. And God restored that to the body of Christ. And then you get to the 60s and the pastors came back on the scene. And then you get to the 70s and the teachers. And you had Kenneth Hagin and the faith movement and teaching of the word of God. What line upon line was restored to the body of Christ. You get to the 80s and God restores the office of the prophet. And people get, begin to realize prophecy is still alive today. And, and there are prophets in the earth. And then the 90s, God restores the apostolic office. And these sin ones come on the scene. People that are overseeing the work of God and they're restored. Stored. And then we get to the year 2000, and if I ask you, what, have, what has God been doing for the last 16 years, we all scratch our head and go, I'm not really sure. Well, I'll tell you what he's been doing. God has now set the fivefold in place because God is wanting them now to turn around and put equipment in your hands so that we as the people of God will begin to serve him and take this thing on to the end so Jesus can come back. Can I get Amen. See, we have to realize every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. See, you have a platform that I don't. It's called your job. I'm not going with you tomorrow. I'm not showing up tomorrow. So if they don't hear the gospel, it's not my fault. It's your fault. If they remain sick, it's not my fault. It's your fault. Why? That's your platform. Before I was ever in a pulpit and doing things like that, I remember I had a job in Hamilton, Alabama, and I had a boss that would work with my schedule so I could travel with Chosen, and I worked at Dollar General. I saw more miracles at Dollar General than I can even explain to you. 
Why? Because it wasn't the pulpit that made me anointed. It was my place. Every member is a minister, and God wants to use you to do great things on the earth. And this is what this last great move of God looks like. It's not the Benny Hens, and it's not the Bill Johnsons, and it's not the Todd Whites only. No, they have been put there to equip you to do something for God. Can I get amen? But we don't want that. We don't want responsibility. We don't want to realize this thing hangs on our shoulders. No, what does it look like when 200 people leave here and lay hands on the sick and they recover? I tell you what, Adel and Sparks and all the surrounding cities won't ever be the same again. Amen. They don't need to come to the church house to get saved. They need to show up on your front step. They need you just to show up to work that day and begin to shift the atmosphere and say depression doesn't belong in your life and I'm about to drive it out by the power of God. You have that ability and I'm going to show you that today by the word of God. Only prerequisite, only, the only prerequisite to operate in the miraculous is to believe. These signs will follow them that. That's it. All you have to do is believe. If you're a believer, signs will follow you. These signs will follow apostles. That's not what it said. That's not the Bible. These signs will follow the evangelist. Nope. These signs will follow them that believe. How many believe in here? If you believe, the Bible said you can cast out devils. If you believe, the Bible says you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's what the Bible says. And when we believe the Bible and walk as believers in the earth, watch out when the true believers rise up and we have a day of the saints movement, this whole thing's going to turn around in a moment. John 14, 12, Jesus said, He who believes in me, the works that I did, you will do. Oh, I love that one. Have you ever just read through the Gospels and seen what Jesus did? He just told you if you believed in him, you can do that. So what I did one time is I went back and read the Gospels, and after every miracle, I wrote John 14, 12 there. And I said, if Jesus did it, I can do it. Why? Because he said, if I just believe in him. Do you, how many believe this morning? Let me see your hands again. You believe. He didn't stop there, though. He said, not only will you do what I did, you will do greater works. Oh, my goodness. I just cussed in church. Greater works than Jesus? Yes, you can do that. How? Believe. Only believe. Jairus was freaking out. He thought his daughter's passed away. Don't trouble the master anymore. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe. And when you just only believe, let me tell you something, things turn around in a moment. God begins to shift things. God begins to save family members. God begins to move in your workplace. Next thing you know, you're calling up pastor and saying, pastor, give me some counsel because I got a revival happening right now on my hands in my workplace, and I don't even know what to do. That's what this is supposed to look like. You go out and change your world. So let me say this. I want to I help you here. You already got it. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you already got everything you need to see revival. Acts 1.8, go there in your Bibles with me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, my favorite scripture in the Bible. But you shall receive power, everybody say power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Everybody say upon me. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. He said, when you have the Holy Spirit come upon you, see, when you're saved, he comes in you, but when you're baptized in the Spirit, he comes upon you. He's in you for communion. He's on you for service, and he says, when he comes on you, you have received 
power. See, I'm not trying to get power. I'm not trying to have a 40-day fast to get power. See, we did this in the church. We had religion walk in, and religion said, it's the Holy Ghost and. And so we had to tag an addendum on there, and we had to say, you got a 40-day fast. you got to do this. you got to jump through all the right hoops in order to have power. I don't believe that at all. That's not what the Bible says. He says, you've already received power. You didn't get a junior version of the Holy Ghost. You didn't get his left toe. You didn't get his right, uh, his right pinky finger. No, you got the whole guy. You got the one that was in Jesus in you and on you, and that Holy Spirit is here today, and he's on your life, and you're not trying to get God to do something. Well, Brian, you're just, you're, you just, you've just been walking with God longer than me, and, and that's why you're seeing the miraculous. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I believe the, the person that gets born again this morning can walk out of this room and lay hands on the sick and they recover. These signs will follow them that believe. That's it. That's the only prerequisite. That's the only prerequisite. When you get baptized in the spirit, the Bible says you ever see power to be witnesses. I'm not trying, you know, Brian, you know, I, I'm, I'm a moment away from raising the dead. I'm not a 40-day fast away. And I, I believe in fasting. Jesus said it's a normal Christian discipline to fast. But fasting is not me trying to get God to do something. Fasting is putting my flesh under subjection. Do you understand that? Power is already on your life if you're baptized in the Spirit. You're not trying to get this. Well, brother, just, just I need a double portion of your Spirit. No, you don't. I need a, you already got the Spirit. You don't need what somebody else got. You already have it. The same spirit on Benny Hinn is on you. The same spirit that was on Catherine Coleman is on you. The same spirit that's on Bill Johnson is on you. You've just got to learn to stir it up. Well, we're just, we're just waiting on God. You're going to be waiting forever. God's waiting on you. <laughs> you ever play checkers or chess? It's your go. We're just sitting around waiting. And the other person's going, you going to go? You're going to make a move, and God's just looking down from heaven going, you're going to move, you're going to do something. God's already done everything he's ever going to do. Jesus said three words on the cross. It is finished. He said it's done. I've accomplished everything I'll never need to accomplish. Satan is defeated. Sickness is defeated. Sin is defeated. Now you go do something. He said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. He said it's time for the church to go to step out and realize I've already got this. I'm not trying to get a power to cure cancer. I've already got the power to cure cancer inside of me. His name is Holy Ghost. Can I get amen? Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, to ask God for power after you have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost is to insult him. You've already got power. You just have to act. It's amazing to me that we, we get filled with the Spirit. We get baptized. We have an encounter with God. And the enemy in religion wants to convince us what we got was not enough. When we don't even realize there's more power in this room today to go to Memphis right now and clear out St. Jude. Period. There's more power in here to heal everyone in this county today. Why? Because you've already got it. You're not trying to get something today. And if you've not been baptized in the Spirit, we'll pray for you this morning. And you'll get it when you, before you leave. But let me tell you something. If you're baptized in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is upon your life, if you've received a prayer language and you have that second blessing that God gives his people, let me tell you something. You got it. All you got to do to act. Peter walks up on the man. The man asks for money. Peter said, listen, dude, I left my wallet at the house. Money I don't got, but what I have, 
I give you. Peter said, I got something. Peter understood what I'm sharing with you this morning. Peter said, I got it. Give me a lame man. Give me a man on crutches. Give me a man that can't speak. It don't matter what the situation is. If God has sent me to the situation, then I have the power to change the situation. If someone at your job is suicidal, you have the power to change that. If someone is your, at your job depressed, you have the power to change that. Whether you're in school or whether you're at your workplace or whether you're in full-time ministry, God has already given us the power to change those situations in order to be a witness for him. Nudge your neighbor and say, he's preaching good this morning. So here's my question. Why is this not happening then? If everything I'm saying is true, if God is, is set up leadership in the church to equip the saints, if God baptized you in the Holy Ghost and gave you power to change the world, then why is the world not being changed? This is where we're going today, 2 Timothy 1.6. He said, Timothy, you got it. You got the gift. You've got the anointing, Timothy. He said, but you got a problem. You're allowing intimidation to shut you down. You're allowing these people who say, well, he's just a young pastor. He don't really know what he's doing shut you down. You're allowing all of life to keep you from operating in what God gave you. So he said, I've got one instruction for you. Stir it up. Stir it up. Timothy, you got it. Stir it up. Now, here's the thing. He said, stir up the gift of God. See, the gift was God's job. He gives gifts freely. He gives gifts freely. He's giving you gifts. The gift is God's job, but it's your job to stir it up. Let me talk about personal responsibility for a minute. Personal he said. He said, stir yourself up. See, we have a generation of people that blame God for their deadness. Well, I'm, just, I'm just not burning for God the way I should. I'm just, not, I'm just not where I need to be. He just seems distant all the time. And we think it's all on God's shoulders when God was the one that saved you, God was the one that set you on fire, but God also gave you a personal responsibility. People want to blame God for being backslidden when they hadn't read their Bible in a month. People want to blame God for being backslidden when they've not been praying. Well, I'm just not as on fire as I used to. Just life has hit me. No, you're not taking personal responsibility in doing what's on your part. Now, how many people like to camp in here? Let me see how many like people like to camp. I'll tell you your line. All right. Anyone else? <laughs> I don't like camping either. I like toilet paper. I like heat and air conditioning. Can I get amen? I like the cushion of a bed. Amen. I'm not made for camping. So I've, I've tried a couple camping trips, and, and that's why I don't go anymore. And so one time I went camping. And here I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting wood for the fire. And so I'm collecting all this wood, and I, and I get it, and I like the fire. And the fire is kind of like God. It's supernatural. I didn't create that fire. There's nothing I could do to create it, you know. It just it was just fire. It's just like boom. However, after I got that campfire started, there was a personal responsibility on my end to keep it going. See, the fire was a supernatural. Boom, it's on fire. Oh, we got warm. We can cook food. We can do all this stuff. But if I want that fire to keep going, then I'm going to have to stoke it. I'm going to have to put more wood on it. I'm going to have to have a personal responsibility if I want it burning five hours from now. And that's the way it is with God. God has lit a fire in your life. God saved you radically. He did something for you. But now it's your turn to take personal responsibility and do something about it. This is good preaching, man. This will help you this morning. 
I was, I was recently, I was, I was praying and I was seeking God. And he spoke a, a, something to my spirit. He said, Brian, the key to revival is to edify yourself. The key to revival is to edify yourself. That's where this message came from. Stir yourself up. Edify yourself. Build yourself up. Why? Because when we go into work, if we allow life to affect us, what do we do? I'm just down today. So I, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to witness anybody. You ever go into Walmart and it's just like you got the hat and the hoodie on. You're just like, don't find me. You know what I mean? I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to see anyone. And that's how we live our lives. We live our lives letting life rule how we feel that day. And every now and then we get an on fire moment and we're ready to witness. But it's few and far in between. Why? Because we've not learned the key to stirring ourselves up. We've not learned the key that says, you know what? I might be going to Walmart right now for a butter run or for whatever I'm going to get, some chocolate chip cookies. But you never know. I might run into someone who is in desperate need of deliverance. And I got something in my life that can set them free. And I've got to have the answer. Amen. Oh, I love this. I love it. I love it. Edify yourself. Timothy, you stir it up. God gave it. You stir it up. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He had a bad day. His old city was burned down. His wife and children kidnapped. And all his men talked about stoning him. Talk about a bad day in the kingdom of God. And here he is, and he's discouraged. He is the lowest moment of his life. And the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. You've got to learn to take personal responsibility. David could have moped around and said, oh, God, just do something. And God said, shut up. Shut up. That's, that's, that's the rough way. Shut up. Do something about it. I'll never forget years ago. It was years, uh, about 2007. I was traveling with Chosen at the time, and I had a lot of circumstances going on in my life and, and, and just too long of a story to tell. But anyways, I was, I was in debt. Due to some things that were beyond my control, I, I, I had no money coming in. I just, I just needed a breakthrough. I lived in Guin at the time, about 13 miles from Hamilton. And we came in from a chosen trip one night about midnight. I didn't tell anyone my need. And I went downtown Hamilton, and I just sat on the sidewalk, and I cried. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't even have enough gas to get home, and i got to come to work next day. I don't know what I'm going to do. All these circumstances are against me. Things beyond my control. Things I was calling authorities about. I was saying, you got to do something about this. And they said, there's nothing we can do about it. It's on you. And I was just in a bind in life. And I remember I was sitting on the sidewalk, and, I was, and, and Pastor Junior, I was, just, I, was just, I was just pitying myself. Oh, I was just down. Oh, God, I'm, uh, help me. you got to do something. you got to do something. And I heard the Holy Ghost as clear as day. And he, he interrupted me, and he goes, are you through yet? The Holy Ghost, he said, are you through yet? And I kind of perked up and I, well, I guess so. And he said, now get up and declare my word. Get up and speak the word of God. So I stood up. This is downtown Hamilton. It's just as barren as can be. Nobody's out. It's midnight. And I begin to pace the sidewalk and pray in tongues. And I begin to edify myself. I begin to declare God's word. And within no time, my situation turned around so much financially that I ended up having a $33,000 inheritance come in my possession in a moment of time where the enemy was defeated. And not only was I delivered, but there was back pay from the enemy in a moment of time. Why? Because I learned in that moment as a believer, I've got a response. Stop whining. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop wondering if God's ever going to break in. No, you do something and you learn to edify yourself. Can I get amen? So let's define the word edify. The word edify in the Bible can mean to build up, to charge 
like a battery. It's so funny, a couple, about two months ago, we went to visit my mother, and my mother is just, she, you know, they're just funny. They just don't buy quality stuff. They're not people of necessity, so they, they'll shop at the Dollar Generals and every yard sale that's in, in, in you know, Gibson County in Tennessee, and, and they just get cheap stuff, and I'm like, well, just pay a little bit more money, and it'll last longer, you know? So she buys this little cheap little four-wheeler car for Conley, my two-year-old. So Conley gets on that thing, and Mom goes, I charged it all night. And I said, okay. So Conley gets on, and all he's got to do is push his little square button, and that thing goes, he pushes, and he goes, yeah, and it dies. It's gone. It's gone to heaven. And I'm like, you know what? That's exactly how some of us believers are. We're so not stirred up or charged up. We've not charged our batteries, so whenever we're, it's ready to push in a service or, or wherever we're at, we go, yeah, all right, I'm done. Call it a day. And God's saying, I want to charge you up, but I've given you the tools to charge yourself. You don't need 10 prophets to come to your house. You don't need pastor to visit you every day. It's time to take personal responsibility. So let me talk about ways to edify yourself, ways to build yourself up, charge your batteries, strengthen yourself, encourage yourself to stir up your gifts. Number one, you want to write these down, to speak in tongues. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Every spiritual believer in here has the ability to charge your battery. I don't need Todd White to come to town. Now, I'll show up if Todd White comes to town, and I appreciate his ministry, but he is not my source to encourage myself. I appreciate Bill Johnson. I appreciate the winter amps. I appreciate all that God has made available to the church, but at the end of the day, it's on me. It's on you to build yourself up. The key to revival is inside of you, and if you're baptized in the Spirit, you're one Shanda prayer meeting away from being stirred up. You ever been to a prayer meeting? And they're like, all right, let's pray in tongues. You know, we all start low. You know, we're just life, work, tired. But give them about 10 minutes. And then about an hour, you're you know, you're just going crazy. What'd you do? You stirred up the gift. You ever start praying in tongues and you just feel something in your spirit move? Man, it's amazing. I'll never forget, I was in Louisiana a couple years ago. And Louisiana had a crazy Snow and ice storm, Louisiana. And I mean, it was bad, so bad that, you know, Louisiana don't get that much, so they didn't really have the tools to deal with it, and so they had to shut down the interstate, everything. I'm preaching at a high school there, a Christian high school, and I'm there to do the chapels and and a spiritual ascension week. So I'm there Monday, Tuesday, and Tuesday morning I wake up, and our host home family goes, you need to get out of Dodge. You need to get out of here now. They're about to shut it down. My wife was pregnant at the time, so I needed to get home. If not, I was going to be straight in Louisiana for a couple days. And so I remember I was panicking. Man, I was scared. So we get in our vehicle, and I'm, I'm in a big SUV. And so, man, I mean, you're going 30 on an interstate, man. I mean, it's iced over. I mean, you're telling sweat. There's a UPS truck in the ditch there. There's a FedEx truck. People have abandoned their cars. It's bad. So we're driving through there, <laughs> and a buddy of mine is driving first. And so I, I'm going to open, I, I put on Twitter, I'm like, pray for us, man, we got to get out of here, and, and really, I am, I am afraid. So when I went to post on Twitter, I look at the previous post that I posted, and I was rebuked by my own tweet. And it said this, fear panics during a storm, while faith speaks to a storm. 
I better delete that last post. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hypocrite right now. I'm not even taking my own advice. I'm afraid. So what did I do? I, looked, I had two other guys with me. I said, boys, pray in tongues. Oh, man, in that vehicle, I felt something bubbling, man. I mean, the Holy Ghost was getting stirred up. And in the middle of that, we start declaring, we will not have a wreck. We will get home safe. We begin to speak the word of God. And I tell you what happened. Angels begin to show up and surround that vehicle. Angels begin to cover my tires. You know what? We, not one problem going home. Not one problem. Why? Edify yourself. You've got the ability, and all you've got to do is start speaking in tongues. He who speaks in a tongue stirs himself up. Oh, this is so good. Number two, read and confess his written word. This is the Logos. Logos and Rhema. Logos is the written word. This book, you are one reading away from encouragement. The Bible says, revive me. According to your word. This book is a revival. This book is the key to stirring you up. And when we neglect this book, we neglect encouragement. It said the scriptures were given for our consolation and encouragement. God wrote this book for you. He said you never need to be down another day in your life. It appalls me how many believers are on depression medication. When they're only one read away from defeating that. You are one read away. And not only do you read the book, you confess the book. When Elise is pregnant, we had people surround us that were fearful. And they said, oh, you know, there's a huge chance of her miscarrying. And I I grieve with those that miscarry. We just had a friend recently that miscarried. But I went to the Bible and I said, what does the word say about this? And I found a scripture. And the Bible says, there will be no one barren in your land, and neither shall you suffer miscarriage. So you know what I did? I began to confess the word. Over her pregnancy, I said we will not miscarry. I begin to declare God's word and stir up our faith and reject the very fear that was trying to come at us. And what happened? She didn't miscarry. And what I'm saying today is that you are one Bible reading away. You are one confession away from whatever you need. Stir yourself up. Every time I pray for people, I will quote the scripture. If I called healing this morning, before I walked down, I would say, I will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These signs will follow me because I believe. What am I doing? I'm just stirring up a gift. It's already there. It's just got to be stirred up. You ever been asked to pray for someone and you didn't feel ready beside me? Stan, we want you to speak. Oh, I need to find a room real quick. I need you to pray for someone. Well, they're over here. Why don't you get them to pray? What happened? You weren't stirred up. You had the gift. You had the ability to do it. You just got to stir yourself up. Am I, are y'all with me to this morning? All right. Number three, hear and confess his rhema word. Matthew 4, 4 says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That word translated from the Greek is rhema. Man shall live by every rhema that comes, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. A rhema is different than the logos. The Logos, the written word, is established. It's here. It's living and powerful. Hebrews 4.12. But a rhema is when this word comes to life. You ever been reading your Bible and a scripture just jump off the page at you? You got a rhema. You ever been just in your prayer closet and God spoke something to you? That was a rhema. You had a word from God that was fresh from his lips. And a rhema is what God is saying right now. It's equivalent to prophecy. It's the same thing. It's what God is saying in this moment. And you have the ability 
as children of God to hear from him. He said, my sheep know my voice. How many sheep in here this morning? We're the sheep of God. My sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. You have the ability to hear from God about your situation. You have the ability to hear from God about your workplace. You have the ability of God to do something for him. And he said, when you get that, hear it, and then begin to declare it. Begin to speak that word, and things will shift and change for your favor. Are you with me this morning? He said, the worlds were framed by the word of God. You can frame your world by this frame of word. So I'm closing here. We have to realize we got it. You have it. You now have to stir it up. You now have to do something. There's a personal responsibility on your end to get this going. This is the tool to evangelism. This is the tool to change your family. When you go to Thanksgiving, don't just take the day off. Stir yourself up. Pray in tongues on the way there. Why? Because you never know what's going to happen. I remember it was a couple years ago. I was at a Thanksgiving dinner, and it was on my dad's side. And so on my dad's side, I'm about the only saved one there. So who's going to bless the food? The saved guy. So, Brian, will you bless the food? And so in the middle of blessing the food, I just went for it. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to go for it because I'm with all these heathens, and one time a year, so I'm going to do it. Father, I thank you that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. They're just like, bless the food. I'm ready to eat, brother. So I go for it. And in the middle of my prayer, my cousin runs out of the room crying. In the middle of my prayer, stir it up. Stir it up. Why? You're a moment away from a revival. In the middle of Thanksgiving dinner, she runs away crying. She is broken and all this stuff. I end up calling her later that night ministering to her on the phone, I led her to Jesus right there on the phone. Why? Because I came to Thanksgiving stirred up. Amen. You're a moment away from revival happening. All, you know, I will never forget, we were in a restaurant in Hamilton. It's not, it's not there anymore, but there used to be a restaurant called Old Taste and See. And so they were feeding us one day between services during a conference. And I went in, and I'm talking about these women, these women looked as bitter as bitter can look. There wasn't a smile on their face if they tried to smile. I mean, hated life. And they're serving us. So in the middle of that, I had a waitress come up, and I mean, she just looks like, you know, all hell was breaking loose in her life, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me to minister to her. And so here I am, I'm eating my food and all this stuff, and so when she comes back over, I said, ma'am, can I pray for you? She said, yeah, you can pray for me. Give me one second. She runs to the back and yells in the kitchen, hey, there's this guy that wants to pray for us. The, the kitchen clears out. The entire staff gathers around my table and said, this guy's going to pray for us. I was, okay, let's go for it. So we held hands in a restaurant. It's packed out. It's got all these people. And, we're just, and we go for it. We begin to, and we begin to prophesy over these women. People begin to pull money out of their pocket and bless these waitresses. They're just being touched by the power of God. Why? Came stirred up. Came ready to go. Came ready to release what God has already deposited within me. You are a moment away from revival breaking out wherever you're at. Today at the restaurant, just here. I'm not saying you've got to witness every person in the building, but I'm just saying be aware, be stirred up, be ready. You are a moment away from somebody's life being changed. And let me tell you something, that's better than any food you can ever eat. There was one time when they brought Jesus food. 
they went to town, got him some McDonald's, got him a chicken, 10-piece chicken nugget meal. Jesus, he loves chicken nuggets. Honey mustard on the side. Come on, somebody. Cherry Coke. Oh, man. Hallelujah. And Jesus was so stirred up, Jesus in the middle of that goes, I got food you don't even know of. Why? Because he's ministering to a woman at the well. He's ministering to someone, and he knows this harlot, this woman who's lived a prostituted lifestyle, is going to be the great, the first evangelist that ever existed in Christianity. And the woman leaves her water pail behind and goes back to the town and tells every man she met the Christ. And then they begin to hold revival meetings, and many in that town get born again. And Jesus said, this is better than any food can ever give me. Let me tell you something. When you stir yourself up, sometimes you can't even sleep. Last night, I couldn't go to sleep. Man, I couldn't go to sleep. Terry, I thought it was your fault, but it wasn't. It was my fault. I was so stirred up. Man, we had a move of God last night. I was at Valdosta State University. And we, we, we were laying I mean, people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. There were many, many that got baptized. About a dozen people received the Holy Ghost last night. It's a powerful move of God. I just, I just, junior, I was just laying in bed. I couldn't sleep. What happened? I got stirred up. And you know why? I didn't wake up tired. I wake up energized. Why? Because that's what the Holy Ghost does. Let me close with this. Let me get somebody on the keys up here, please. Last point. Work with God. Oh, I love this. Work with God, not just for Him. You know, we, we, you know, we grow up and we, we say things like, I'm serving the Lord. I'm working for God. You know, that's, that's incomplete. It's true, but it's incomplete. We're not supposed to work for Him we're supposed to work with him. God is wanting a co-laboring. Listen to this scripture. Let me turn to Mark 16, 20. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. Are y'all good? Who will give me five more minutes? Let me see. Let me see. Five, 10, 15, 20. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, preacher joke right there. Come on. Mark 16, 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. You ready for this? The Lord working with them. Oh, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Signs followed them because they believed. And it says that they were not working for God, God was working with them. See, God will not do anything independent of you. God's not going to just go out here and move on his own. If God was going to do that, he could have done it a long time ago, and he would just showed up, and he would say, hey, I'm real. Showed up while they're filming something at CNN during the elections. Jesus could have just appeared and been on television and said, hey, everybody, I'm real. See the scars in my hands and in my side. Believe in me. He didn't do that. Why? Because God didn't set it up that way. God picked you. God chose you. God has a body. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We are his hands and feet. We are the ones that do for God. And he said, I'm not going to work outside of you, but I will work with you. And if people are not getting transformed, if there's not revival in your life, it's simply because you're not doing anything. We're not waiting on a move of God. We're waiting on a move of man. It's your turn. It's your move. And when you step out, God steps out. When you pray, God takes over. When you witness, God's word becomes anointed through your mouth. It said he confirmed the word. God is ready to do something. But he's not going to do it on his own. 
He needs you. He needs me. He needs this Christmas time when you're opening gifts and when your children and grandchildren. He needs you to open your mouth. He needs you to pray for someone that's sick. He needs you to step out. Why? Because that's when He shows up. He will show up when you step out. God will not work independent of you. He will only work with you. When you work, God works. When you move, God moves. See, we need God's power, but God needs manpower. We need God's power, but God needs you. And when you start doing something, I'm telling you, get ready for a move of God. You might not know how even that looks like. I'll never forget I was, and I might have told these stories before, but they they just get me going. My grandfather had a stroke. And, you know, the hardest people to witness to is your family. Somebody know what I'm talking about? My grandfather had a stroke, and so he was not able to do his farm and, and all that kind of stuff. So he was, he, was, he was confined to his chair. And he was a hard man. I didn't have a close relationship with him, and so I didn't really know how I would ever get the witness to him. But I knew I needed to do something. So one day we're visiting him, and I'm set. I'm going I'm to talk to him today. I'm just not sure how to do it. So I excuse myself and I go to the restroom. Not because I got to use the restroom, because I need to pray. So I go in there to edify myself and I'm like, God, you got to help me. I don't know what to do, but I need help. I need you to open the door here. I walk out the restroom. I walk back in the living room. And when I do, my grandfather, who's never done this in his life, he pushes himself up after having his stroke, having a conversation with him. He pushes himself up. He steps forward and he says, Brian, will you have a word of prayer with us? It was like the heavens were open over that house that day. We grabbed hands, and I was able to minister to different members of my family because I was going, God, I don't even know how this looks, but I need your help. You know what? You might be at your job. You might be at your school. You might be with your family, and you're like, God, I don't know. But if you just say, God, give me a moment. Give me an opportunity, a divine appointment, something. I promise you, he'll give you a window. And when he does... Take advantage of it. It might not be perfect. You might stutter through the whole thing. You might fumble over your words. You might not even know how to do it. Just the fact that you stepped out, I promise you, God will always back you up. I close with this. I was 17, 18 years old. I was in my Baptist church, my Southern Baptist church. And the way it worked every Sunday was the pastor preached the same message every Sunday, just with different words. It was basically get right with God. The church had pews on each side and had a middle aisle. Whenever he gave an altar call, he would walk down front and he would invite people to come forward. He wanted to get saved every week, saved or rededicated. The person would walk down, shake the preacher's hand. He would hear what their request was. He would thank them and he would ask them to step aside to the uh, pew and on front in case someone else wanted to come forward. Then eventually he would lead them in a sinner's prayer and publicly acknowledge them in front of everybody next week they would get baptized every week in my life 17 years here I am I just got saved I think I just got baptized in the Holy Ghost my life has been turned around I'm on a Sunday morning at the church on a Sunday morning and I'm sitting in the pew burning for Jesus and the pastor does the same thing he always does if anyone this morning needs to get right with God needs to rededicate your life I want you to come forward My heart starts beating out of my chest. Y'all remember what it was like to be convicted? I'm talking about God was saying, go forward. And I'm arguing with God. God, I'm already on fire. I love you. What's this about? I want you to go forward, rededicate your life, and I want you to tell the pastor in the church, 
you're going to go to college and you're going to turn you upside down for Jesus. And I'm going, this ain't going to go well. I'm fighting God. You ever wrestle with God? You never win. So here I'm wrestling, I'm wrestling. I'm not even on the end seat. You know how it is with pews? It's like, excuse me, excuse me. So finally I obey. I step out. I come forward. I shake the preacher's hand. I tell him what I told you. Little did I know what one little act of obedience would do. After coming forward, I stand in the front pew as he asked me to do. My cousin, Julianne Knott, steps forward and she comes down that morning. She gets born again, serving God to this day. Not only did she step out, but my father stepped out. And at this time of my life, I was majorly concerned about my dad's walk with God. He was depressed. He was overweight. He had a lot of issues physically in his life. He had surgery in 1988. Something went wrong with the surgery. He got fluid in his lungs. And from that point on, his health went downhill. He had to wear an oxygen tank 24-7 just to survive. My dad walks forward, but instead of stopping at the preacher, he bypasses him and goes straight to the altar. When he gets to the altar, we had a couple of deacons who had to help him to his knees. I watched my day, that day, my dad repent his life back to Jesus. Why? Because I just obeyed. It was a simple act. It wasn't big. I just stepped out, nervous. Heart was beating out of my chest. But I just obeyed. The pastor stands up and he said, I want everybody in this church to get to this altar. A 200-person church in a Southern Baptist church that this has never happened before or since in has a move of God on a Sunday morning. Why? Because someone who was scared and nervous had the audacity and, 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 and found the courage to obey God in a little thing. Let me tell you something. When you obey God in the little things, He'll show up in big ways. When you obey God in little things, my dad, one year from that day, or one year later, would pass away and go be with Jesus. You know what? He was ready because I was willing to obey. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray with you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. I ask you to minister to these people. I ask you, God, to speak to their hearts. God, today we have sat back and wanted the juniors and the Pastor Johns and the Stantons and different ones to lead us at all times and do the ministry, God, not realizing that, God, you have put them in place to equip us, to put the equipment and tools in our hands in order to impact people's lives. God, we repent today for being codependent on others but not taking personal responsibility. We repent today that we have not allowed you to move through our lives. I pray that you would release this morning the revelation that God, you have put good things on the inside of us, that the Holy Spirit is on our life and He can turn a moment. He can turn things around in a moment. He can save, He can heal, He can deliver. All we have to do is step out. God, I thank you for this today. I thank you for this today. This is what I hear the Lord say this morning. He's asking of you what he asked of me that day when I was 17 years of age in 2001. He's asking you to step out in boldness to make a stand. To say, God, I will be obedient. 
God, I will stir myself up. God, I will no longer sit back and let everybody else be used of God, but not do anything myself. No, God, you have me in my workplace. You have me at my job. You have me at that school. You have me in this family for a reason. And I am the answer. Christ in me is the answer to them. And if I step out, if I open my mouth, if I make a prayer, God, you will move. If that's you this morning and you say, Brian, I want to be a person that God uses in that way, I want you to step out from your seat and I want you to light across this altar right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, we can get some uh, the worship team up as well. If you're not at the altar, I'm okay. If you come to the altar yourself, I want to pray for these that come. Come on, lift your hands right now. Lift your hands. And as you come to this altar, I want you to begin to open your mouth. Maybe you need to repent for just being codependent. Maybe you need to say, God, I'm sorry that I've leaned on others to do your work, that I've trusted in others to do your work. God, I honor their position, but I know their position exists to put tools in my hands to change this world. God, I want to heal the sick. I want to preach the gospel. I want to deliver the bound. I want to see people filled with the Holy Ghost in my job site. Come on, God, use my life in the name of Jesus. Come on, you pray, you pray, you pray while the band plays right now.